So great to be with you today for this very, very special day. It's just a week ago that uh, we experienced uh, basically what it's like to be on Broadway with uh, the play that uh, Charles directed for us. And uh, I want to tell you something that Nikki, Charles's daughter, said to me. I don't see her here today, but this is what she said to me. We were walking in the, the doors back there talking about the play right before it started. She said, I think we all need to tamp down our expectations. <laughs> and that cracked me up. <laughs> I want to tell you today, uh, as we talk about these important things in Christ, I'm afraid we've spent too much time tamping down our expectations. We've spent too much time trying to convince ourselves that the ordinary is necessary that the mundane is biblical. And I want to encourage you to have greater expectations in Christ today as we talk about new members and new life. I want to remind you just right here at the outset what it is that we're doing here and why we're doing it. What we're doing here comes to us directly, not because we've picked up on, I, I, I hope it's not because of this, because we've picked up on what people do in churches, what uh, is kind of the typical thing that happens because you live in a church world. We're doing what we do here because Jesus left us with a mission. He said, go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to do everything I've told you to do. And I want to tell you today Regardless of how ordinary it may seem sometimes, that is the extraordinary mission that we are caught up in here at Irving Church, along with many other churches around the world. We accept nothing less. So since I have moved here, we've established a new member process where we take members, uh, incoming members through a process of teaching and discussion and, and learning and I'll tell you why we do that, to be redundant. We do it, and I just realized I did not take this thing off my hand that Eden stamped on me this morning. <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, we do it because we believe that we can actually do what Jesus said. We believe making disciples to Jesus is still possible today. And so we are not content just to pile up members in the church. Like we're gobbling them up and try to get them in the pews. We're not content to decorate the building with people who are borderline unbelievers, who are non-disciples, who have a form of godliness but deny its power. That's not what we're in, we're in on here. We're in on doing what Jesus said to do, and that's making people disciples. It's really possible. And people are really finding that it's true here and many other places. That means we can learn to live life like Jesus said to live it. Let me tell you what we take people through here who are, who are coming into the church. Basically, eight weeks of discussion of fundamental issues. These are things that are foundational to walking with Christ. Understanding the gospel and the basic story of Scripture. We talk about baptism. We talk about what it means to live in Christian community. Talk about this church so people will understand what they're 
getting themselves into with this particular church. Then we introduce people to the basic doctrines of historic Christianity, okay? That's the only one that might strike you as a little bit strange. I've preached about that here before, about creeds. We, some of us come from a tradition where creeds are really bad and they mean something bad, but really it's just a summary of what you believe. And re, you, know, you already have one. <laughs> if, you, if you can summarize what you believe is important, and that, that's basically your creed. So what we say here is that we want to get in on what the early Christians said was central to the faith. Right? What, what was it that they said you, you basically need to believe if you're a Christian? What's fundamental? I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Spirit. That's fundamental Christian doctrine right there. That's what we introduce people to. We introduce people to the Ten Commandments. Yes, we should still keep them, <laughs> regardless of what society may say. This is basic Christian morality. And from there we go out into what the Scriptures teaches overall. We introduce people to prayer. Specifically, Jesus taught us how to pray. And so we learn to live with a, a spiritual life through Jesus' teaching. And then we talk about gifts and ministry opportunities here. Now, I want to tell you something that, that we say to people. Uh, maybe I should say I say to people. <laughs> I don't want to pin this on, on others. But uh, what, what I've said to, to people, uh, to you guys who have gone through this, this process with me, we're talking about things like the basics of Christian doctrine, the basics of Christian living, the basics of, of, of seeking God in the spiritual life. If, if you don't accept those things, if you're not here to seek discipleship to Jesus, to live in light of what the church has handed down historically uh, of the central doctrines of the church about Jesus being raised from the dead and extending grace to all of us, if that's not for you, this is not the church for you. And I, I don't want to sound unloving. And anybody can come and sit here. We're not ever going to tell somebody they can't come and sit here. But, but truly, if you want to be deeply involved here, we're a church that's seeking to be disciples to Jesus, and we believe certain things are foundational for that. And we want everybody to be in on it, and we want to be full of love for you, but we wouldn't be loving you if we didn't tell you that. You're invited into something more than mere church attendance. We're inviting into something that will change your mind and change your heart and change your life. And that's what we want everybody to get on, in on because that's the beautiful thing that Jesus offers us. This is discipleship to Christ, learning to walk in his ways, learning to think the thoughts that Christians throughout history have thought. Right now we're going to pause. And uh, Brother Terry, would you come on up? And we want to take just a minute here to welcome some new members who have been with us now for a while. Um, and uh, I'll say this to you. We don't take everybody through this because... Uh, Many of you have been grandfathered in. <laughs> but anybody who comes into the church now, this is what, this is what they go through. And so we want to have a, a special recognition of some of you now. I'll hand it over. All right. Um, I'm going to ask uh, the Sanchez family and uh, other elders to come forward, please. You doing okay, Noah? Yes. You a little nervous? No. <laughs> Doesn't bother you for all those people to look at you? No, not 
<laughs> Most of you have met Hector and Erica, Noah, Jordan, and Michael. Uh, they've been meeting with us for uh, a few months now, and uh, we're certainly very delighted uh, to have them as part of our church family. Uh, they have gone through the studies, the eight sessions, uh, as has others. Philip has, uh, of course, Amanda and uh, Matthew, and uh, there have even been some others go, th go through this. Rocky and Lori have gone through this. And so anyway, we just want to acknowledge that, that they spent uh, a lot of time uh, with Luke and I in, in studying these things. And uh, so we want to celebrate uh, their official entrance into this particular body of believers. Um, I'm often amazed, really, when I stop and think about the stories uh, that I hear. And, and as I, I've learned about uh, you guys' story and, and think about our own and how amazing it is that God has brought our lives together. Um, it, it, it's strictly the work of God. That's all you can say. There, there's no other reason on this earth that we would have ever even met each other, uh, much less to be able to share in the body of Christ, share life together, and build relationships. And uh, these, these folks are wonderful people. They are disciples of Jesus. And uh, we're going to be a mutual blessing to one another. You will bless them. They will bless you. And as we grow in our relationships, uh, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I love, I absolutely love watching and experiencing what God does. And so we're very, very excited to have you guys with us, and uh, I'd like um, to ask you a few questions, all right? Do you promise, by the grace of God, to be Christ's disciple, to follow in the way of our Lord and Savior, to resist oppression and evil, to show love and justice, and to witness to the work and word of Jesus as best as you're able? promise with the help of God. Do you promise according to the grace given you to grow in the Christian faith and to be a faithful member of the church of our Lord Jesus, celebrating Christ's presence and furthering his mission in all the world? I promise with the help of God. Do you promise to participate in the life and mission of this family of God's people, sharing regularly in the worship of God and enlisting in the work of this local church as it serves this community and the world. I promise with the help of God. Do you promise to give yourselves to his service to protect the unity of our fellowship and to walk in Christian love? I promise with the help of God. And do you promise insofar as you're able to attend services of the church, observe its sacraments, share in its work, support its mission, and endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I promise with the help of God. God bless you. And on behalf of Irving Church, we welcome you with joy 
in the common life of this church. We promise you our friendship, our prayers, as we share the hopes and labors of the church of our Lord Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may we all continue together to grow in God's knowledge and His love and be witnesses of our risen Lord Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Holy Father, as we come before you in your presence, in the name of our precious Lord, we rejoice that you have brought our lives together. We rejoice that we are all in the same church family. And we rejoice, Father, that we can grow together to be more and more like Jesus. You are so very good to us. And we ask a special blessing on the Sanchez family. I pray, Father, that you would protect them. Pray, Father, that you would nurture them, that you would grow them, that you would teach them, guide them. I pray, Father, that you will use them in your service to minister and to help and do good. I pray, Lord, that you will bless their children, that you'll bless their marriage. I pray, Father, that in all things they will glorify you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would be remiss not to acknowledge, uh, on behalf of the elders, our uh, failure and short-sightedness in, uh, in not celebrating properly uh, others who have come into this church family. And uh, they've been here a while, you know them well, but I still think it's appropriate for us to uh, officially, publicly acknowledge how much we love and appreciate and how happy we are that David and Sherry are with us. Uh, you bring a lot to our church family and we just uh, are really, really happy. Uh, that, that you are with us. Also, Paul and Anya, you have been here for quite some time, and we love you so much. Uh, I get to see them every week in our grow group, and uh, I have really, really gr grown to love them deeply. They're wonderful people, and we are very blessed to have you in our church family. So uh, let's everybody show uh, a warm welcome uh, to them as well.
Paul, I'm sorry there's not another Paul in the church to welcome you <laughs> with enthusiasm. <laughs> so let me just say this before we say anything else. Uh, of course, uh, if you've been here uh, long or if you've walked with Christ long, you know that just going through a, se- uh, a series of studies doesn't make you a disciple. These things are foundational to a life. But the life is what we engage in week after week, ongoing, uh, throughout our time together, seeking God together. If you're interested in uh, going through these set of studies, we'll probably be doing it again before too long. And, and uh, even if you've been here a while, we'd be happy to, to uh, have you uh, join us for, for those kinds of studies. So I want to say a few words now about uh, the sacraments before we have Philip come up for baptism. Um, we are a sacrament, a sacramental church. We are not a sacrament. We are a sacramental church. Uh, Scripture-guided, sacrament-grounded, spirit-gifted. And uh, that term is not something that everybody's familiar with, but we chose it intentionally because we needed another S. No, I'm just kidding. We chose it intentionally because it carries a lot of meaning with it. Sometimes people say, well, that's not in the Bible. Where do you get sacrament? Well, there's a lot of words we use that aren't in the Bible. But uh, it's related to the word mystery in Greek. And uh, it either is derived from or just related to uh, uh, mystery, and, and then it got the Latin word sacramentum, and that's where we get sacrament from. And that's what's important for us to, to know. When we talk about sacraments, what we're talking about is the mystery of our faith. We're talking about God being real and active and present among us. That's why we want to use the term sacrament. The call to mind, we're living out of a different reality. Even though sometimes it may not seem that way, even though sometimes our experience isn't what we want it to be, we still continually remind ourselves that God is real and active. And he has chosen certain things to say, I place myself there in a special way. I extend grace in these acts in a special way. And we just want to say we believe that. We believe that God is real. And we believe that he can do things that, that surpass our understanding. And, and sometimes he's doing things and we don't know he's doing things. And when we come to baptism, may we say it clearly, we believe God is doing something. We don't believe that it's just us in our minds doing something outward that reflects our own inward realities. We've made a decision to follow Christ. Well, let's show symbolically on the outside. That's great too, but it's more than that. And the early church always knew it was more than that. You can't read the New Testament without thinking they thought it was more than that. They believed in a God who was close and a God who could even come into mundane material things and give them a new life and a new power. That's what happens in baptism. God is doing things. That's what happens in the Lord's Supper. That's why we do it every week and we come back to it day after, or week after week saying this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. We are in the covenant here and in some way we eat the medicine and we drink the medicine of immortality as one of the early church fathers said. We come and take Christ in and God is doing things. And people say, well, why don't I have more dramatic experiences more often? Well, sometimes people do have very dramatic experiences at the table. But really that's true of all the spiritual life. That's true of prayer. Many times we're praying and we're not having dramatic experiences. Does that mean we shouldn't pray? 
It's the more dramatic experiences that remind us of how important the everyday prayers are. Same is true of all the spiritual life, right? I love these words from Henry Nouwen. If you just listen to how Nouwen explains prayer, I think it applies to the sacraments. Why should I spend an hour in prayer when I do nothing during that time but think about people I am angry with, people who are angry with me, books I should read and books I should write, and thousands of other silly things that happen to grab my mind for a moment? The answer is because God is greater than my mind and my heart. And what is really happening in the house of prayer is not measurable in terms of human success and failure. The remarkable thing, however, is that sitting in the presence of God for one hour each morning, day after day, week after week, month after month, in total confusion and with myriad distractions radically changes my life. God, who loves me so much that he sent his only son not to condemn me, but to save me, does not leave me waiting in the dark too long. I might think that each hour is useless, but after 30 or 60 or 90 such useless hours, I gradually realized that I was not as alone as I thought. A very small, gentle voice has been speaking to me far beyond my noisy place. What I want to say to you today is that we in this building right now are not as alone as we have sometimes thought. And when we come to the waters of baptism, we are not alone. When we come to the table before us today, we are not alone. And so in faith, we humble our hearts and we come to receive from God. Let me say to you that uh, to follow Jesus, a great choice must be made. It's more important than the choice to get married. It's more important than the choice to have or adopt a child. It's more important than running for office. It's more important than deciding to move to Africa. The choice we are making is a choice between life and death. It's a choice between living with the God who is and living into eternity with him or living apart from him on the way that leads to death. And what we're talking about, whenever we talk about people participating in the sacraments, especially the initial one of baptism, we're talking about that choice being made final, being made formal, being recognized in heaven and on earth. It's the choice that determines all of life. And this choice means in a real way that the life and death of Jesus, in a real way, although it's a mystical way and it's a mystery to us, the life and death of Jesus become stamped on our hearts. We are connected umbilically to the life and death of Jesus, to his resurrection power. Paul uses this phrase over and over, actually he uses it 164 times in his writings. In Christ. You are in Christ. Over and over again. And there's a corporate meaning to that, meaning we're all together in Christ. 
But there's also more to it than that. It's this idea that somehow we are connected to Jesus in a spiritual union. We're brought into his life. And that's what it means to be in Christ. And practically speaking, it means that things change. It means we, th- we think differently. We were talking about this in the class this morning. We, we, we come to have a different mind. We see the world differently. Our feelings change. Sometimes dramatically and instantly, many times more gradually over time, but things change because the life of Christ, that seed is planted in our hearts and it starts to grow and it starts to fill up. It starts to expand. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Hmm. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see, when we're united to Christ, life no longer centers on us. Now we're living from a different source for a different person, seeing different outcomes. Because we're connected to Jesus, his death and his resurrection. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. We see the world differently. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. This is what we're talking about. The reality of Christ. Scripture that Brandon read for us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, we have to stop thinking this is all like pretty metaphors. And Paul's trying to find a poetic way to say something. Oh, I've been crucified with Christ. <laughs> no, first of all, crucifixion in that world meant something that, that we've lost today. It was this shameful, excruciating way to, to be humiliated before people. Paul says, I'm on the cross with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Something happened. Something drastically changed in a real way for Paul. And now his life was totally different. This is what we're talking about today. How do you get in Christ? For as many of you as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That term means... It means you've clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. We've talked about these kind of things before. In Christ, our identity, most fundamentally now, is Christ. It's not my gender. It's not my race. It's not my social standing. It's Christ. And that's why there's unity and the equality among us. We're baptized into Christ, and we're clothed with Christ. Do you not know that all of you, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him 
in order that the body of sin, that's the body that's dominated by sin, the body that cannot escape sin, that's beaten down by sin, that body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we are no longer enslaved to sin. Do you know that you're not meant to be enslaved to sin? We're not talking about being perfect. We got a long ways to go. I know I do. But we should not be living in slavery because we have been raised with Christ. Our life is caught up in his life. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. See, this is, what, this is what happens. We get started in the body of Christ. In baptism, we, we come into life. Through faith, through the operation of the Holy Spirit, it's not like a magic ritual. You get a little water on you and suddenly, voila, some things are different. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit moving and working. We're baptized and we're changed. That seed is planted in us and then it grows. One of the ways it grows is we're nourished each week, coming to the table and feeding on that life and death that's become a part of us, feeding on the body and blood of our Lord. The early church understood that uh, they were inviting people into a totally different life. And as I close here, before we have Philip come up, I want to mention to you a guy named Cyprian. Uh, Cyprian was a famous early Christian leader, became that. But before he was, uh, he was a wealthy North African aristocrat. And uh, he knew that his life was full of sin. In fact, the way he put it was, he felt like he was held in bonds by the innumerable errors of his previous life. And this early church brought him in. They started to catechize him. They started to teach him and train him the way. And he wanted it, but he said he didn't know if he could. He didn't know if he could really change. But he kept seeking. And he finally was brought to the waters of baptism. And here's his own report of what happened to him. By the help of the water of new birth, the stain of former years had been washed away. And a light from above, serene and pure, had been infused into my reconciled heart. After that, by the agency of the Spirit, breathed from heaven, a second birth had restored me to a new man. Then in a wondrous manner, doubtful things once began to assure themselves to me. What before had seemed difficult began to suggest a means of accomplishment. What had been thought impossible to be capable of being achieved. Cyprian found that it was through baptism that God met him and brought him to life. And he was suddenly able to leave his life of sin behind. Not everybody's experience is the same, okay? And God's free. We don't ever put God in a box and say he has to do this right when we say do this. That's not the way it works. But he has generally, regularly worked through these means of grace, through these sacraments. And we embrace the mystery today because God is real, because he's powerful, because he's present, because he does things even when we don't know how he does it. He surprises us, and I urge you to believe in it today. I close by telling you this story from the Pirates of the Caribbean, the movie that came out, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago now, whenever it was. And the, uh, the female protagonist in that movie, I think her name may have been Miss Purdy. That's what I'm going to say. She's on, she's on a ship, 
with uh, these pirates, and I guess that's uh, what you'd assume in that movie. Uh, and uh, they start telling her about fanciful things and uh, something related to spirits or whatever. And she says, oh, I don't believe in ghost stories. And this old pirate who's standing beside her said, you best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Purdy. And as he speaks, his face transforms into this ghostly figure. And he says, you're in one. What I want to say to you today is we're in a story that's much bigger and much grander and much more amazing than we many times realize. And we best start believing in it. We best start believing that God is powerful to move and work among us. We ask him to do that today. We don't demand, we don't come with our perfect theory of how it all works and say, now it's going to be just like this. But we ask God to show up for our friend Philip today to meet him like he met Cyprian years ago, to be a present help and savior to Philip this morning. Would you pray for that this morning as Philip comes this morning to, to uh, meet Jesus in the waters of baptism? I'm going to have you come up in one second, Philip, but before that, we have the video we want to play from yesterday, very brief, so that you guys can receive... Uh, the joy that we received in witnessing Matthew and Amanda yesterday being baptized into Christ. Is that ready now? All right, go ahead, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on up here, Philip. I love you, man. Today is a great day. It's a great day because uh, the Lord is in it and he's here with us. Um, Philip, right now, we're going to ask you if you would join with the saints and the martyrs mm -hmm. and the great Christians throughout history, as well as all those who are here present today. Would you tell us who you think Jesus is? Well, I truly believe that Jesus is, is a person whom... I'm nothing without, and I truly believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. Amen. God bless you. I want to remind you guys of what Jesus said when Peter made that confession. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who's in heaven what we're talking about with that confession of faith is the work of God in human hearts. And it's been revealed by God himself to Philip and to the rest of us here making that confession. We're going to ask you, Philip, just a few questions here uh, as you commit before these people today in your life with Christ. Do you commit your life to the will of God being conformed to the image of Christ? Do you renounce Satan, the kingdom of darkness, and a life of sin? Absolutely. Do you wholly commit yourself to following Jesus? Always. Amen. Thank you. Right now, we are going to, uh, if I can get my PowerPoint back up there, Philip and I are going to lead us in uh, 
saying the Apostles' Creed together. If you would feel comfortable joining us in this, we'd love for you to, to confess the faith of the church throughout history uh, together right now. You ready? ready? Okay. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. All right. Philip, go ahead and get your stuff and, and head back. And Drew, is the praise team doing this or just you? Okay, <laughs> praise team. Praise team, if you guys would go ahead and come on up. And uh, Philip and I are going to get changed, and we'll be back in just a second. Philip, it's on the confession of your faith in the risen Lord Jesus, who lives and rules and reigns now and forever. We baptize you now for the forgiveness of your sins, for life in the kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.